Uh, if you could turn in your Bibles to the, the book of James. The book of James is what we've been going through. Um, and uh, we're going to be in chapter 1 still. We're going to be talking about verses 3 through 8, I promise. Um, we have been going through this pretty slowly, but uh, we will be uh, going verses 3 through 8 today. And um, what we've been talking about is multiple things already, these first few verses, about the fact that we face trials of many kinds. Uh, trials come. Uh, it could be an illness. It could be a broken relationship. It could be the absence of a relationship. It could be depression. It could be anxiety. Things that happen to us that we have no control over. And then there's those trials that happen to us that we've done to ourselves or that we do to others. And in James, we're taught to consider these trials pure joy. Now, that's such a weird thing to say, such a weird thing to grasp. But to consider these trials pure joy because we would never choose the trials that we go through. Not one of us in here would say, yep, sign me up for it. I want that trial. But they do come, and when they do come, they can deepen our faith. But instead, often in these trials, we are absolutely consumed by them. We can think about nothing else but the actual trial. It is actually possible because of Jesus that we can walk well in trials. Now, trials help us to realize this, that we are not alone. Like, God is with us in these trials. And many times, we don't even realize sometimes that God is with us until we're in a trial. Until we're like, man, this is hard and, and, and we need God. But there's also... Other than God being present in these trials, there's something really unique uh, that God tells us, and that is this, that our family of faith can walk in these trials with us as well. That these trials are we're not ever alone because God is always with us, and we have uh, brothers and sisters to walk in those with us. These trials also can bring maturity. They don't don't always, it depends on how we respond to them, but we can experience the faithfulness and the goodness of God. These trials can make us more like Jesus. We can look forward to what God will do in us through these trials, but we do need something from God in order to walk well in these trials. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to have our reading. And we'll see what that is, is what what we need from God. Lord, this morning as we um, walk through your word, as we walk through what you say, as we grasp the reality that, that hard things happen to all of us, that we're either heading into the storm, we're in a storm, or we're coming out of a storm. That, that, is, that is the only three options that we have in life, Lord, because storms and trials just come. And so this morning, Lord, as we walk through these next few verses, would you please open our hearts to you? Help us to see what we need from you as we walk through life a life full of trials. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you could please stand as we have our reading from James chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Um, It's also up on the screen for you. 
Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Amen. You can be seated. So how do you grow in trials? They are coming. They are here. They are always going to be with us until Jesus comes back. How do you grow in trials? Quite simply, it's this. We need wisdom. So how do you get wisdom? I mean, what are, what are the seven ways that you can get wisdom? What are the books you can read to get wisdom? What are the classes that you can go to get wisdom? What are the special things that you can do to, to impress God to get wisdom? Nothing. It very simply says in God's word, if you want wisdom, ask. How beautiful is that? That God says, I want to give you wisdom. And all you have to do is ask for wisdom. One high schooler put it this way, we, we ask God for favors, but we don't ask God for wisdom. It's a pretty wise statement. We make uh, our prayers, uh, you know, things that are great prayers, things like, Lord, get me out of this. I mean, the, the Bible is full of prayers of people saying, Lord, get me out of this. Uh, we've all been in situations where like, Lord, please get me out of this. Uh, or God, heal this person. We pray things like, God, provide me a new job. And there's nothing wrong with those prayers. God hears our prayers. God wants those prayers. But there is another uh, level if we get before God in the midst of these trials that, that, that is necessary when we talk about prayer. Because when we most need help in trials, we need wisdom we don't have. We need wisdom because we lack wisdom. And this is not a strength. It is a weakness. Let me say that again. The fact that we have to ask for wisdom is not strength. It is weakness. And weakness is a good thing. In America, we are told never be weak, right? I mean, if you watch college football yesterday, there were some fired up coaches yesterday. They showed these things. Oh, we're going to take this. We're going to take that. I mean, that's, that's one thing, right? This is a, that's a game. But life is not a game. You can try to psych yourself up all you want to. We are weak. You know, believe me, let me read this to you real quick. Paul the Apostle says it this way in 2 Corinthians 12. To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. This is Paul the Apostle who wrote the majority of the New Testament, inspired by God, and he is saying that there's a, a thorn in his flesh that has been there, that's been given to him. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. 
How do you think Paul's prayer life was? I'd say it's pretty good. I mean, anybody that's been thrown off their horse because the Holy Spirit of Jesus himself just appeared and knocked him, like literally knocked him off his horse. He was blind for a few days and he met the Lord. I mean, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We don't like to admit that we're weak. There's a current thing going around. If you start looking at the news, that uh, a lot of the uh, rich and famous people are are doing a regimen because they believe that uh, science believes that they can allow the human to live 120 years. I don't want to be around at 120, quite frankly. Uh, but we try to play God. That's so unwise. Because they're trying to sustain a life that is not sustainable. And they don't ask God for wisdom, and, and we often don't ask God for wisdom, do we? Why don't we ask God for wisdom? Well, sometimes it's, I think, we simply just forget to ask. We're so consumed by whatever trial it is, whatever's going on, and we just kind of blank out, we're, we're consumed by it, and we don't even ask Him. Sometimes, we don't ask God because we don't think it's going to actually help. We lack faith that God can actually do something about it. But I think there's sometimes that we don't ask God for wisdom out of fear. We don't ask God for wisdom because we fear that he will give us the wisdom that we need to move us in a direction that we don't want to head. Like he actually says, uh, I'm going to give you wisdom. And, and if we take that wisdom, well, it might lead us into doing something God wants us to do, but we ourselves don't want to do. But man, do we need wisdom. We are designed to need divine help. You are designed by God. I am designed by God to need Him. Nothing will fill the void other than God. And nothing can give us wisdom except God. You see, we are created to receive help from God. We are created to want help from God. We are created to need wisdom. And as our trials test our faith, they can produce what the Bible says here in James, produce steadfastness. In the original language, steadfastness meant this, cheerful endurance. Have you ever endured something and been like, man, this is super fun? Like, oh, the, the, you know, I'm pushing my body for a run or this, or, or, or I'm doing something really hard and, and, and it, it's, it's requiring every bit of me. Any parents out there? Endurance, 
Has it been cheerful at times? Sure, all the time? No. Cheerful endurance is what this means. And as that cheerful endurance is, is working fully, as the testing of our faith, God does something in us, and we begin to realize what the Bible says is that we, we don't lack anything. Like God gives us what we need. Think about the times that you needed wisdom, and you're like, oh, no, and you asked for wisdom, and then all of a sudden, things started to fall into place, and you knew what to do, and you knew what to say, and you knew how to behave, and you knew how to, to like follow God in that. And then years later, you look back at it, and you're like, that was no big deal. Like, God really got me through that. And these times that we see God getting us through this one, and this one, and this one, and this one, it builds our faith, it builds us, and, and then the wisdom is knowing that God gives wisdom. Cheerfully enduring this. And what does it bring? Maturity. We mature in Christ. But remember... You cannot rush maturity. So God will give you those things that you actually can handle with him. God will test you. God will send things your way. All so you can say, God, I need you. And I need wisdom from you. You can have all the knowledge in the world and be the most unwise person. So asking our Father for it is actually wisdom. Like if you want to be wise, guess what? Just merely asking God for wisdom is a step towards wisdom, isn't it? And asking Him for wisdom is possible because if I said to you, hey, I want you to come over to my house and I'm going to cook out for you. And, and when you get there, I'm going to give you some food. How am I able to say that? Because well, I cooked it. And because I'm going to hand it to you. In other words, I have the ability to give you something that you currently don't have yourself, right? So God is saying, ask for wisdom. Why? Because he has the ability to give it. And asking for wisdom is evidence in your heart. It is saying, I believe what God says is true. That I need him. And our God gives us wisdom. How does he give wisdom? Right here in James it says, he gives wisdom generously. In the original language of the Bible, this word that we use for generously, it meant this simply, meaning it is not hard for God. Bountifully, meaning he can give as much as he wants. And sincerely, he really, really wants us to have it. Isn't that beautiful? He, he is always at the ready to help. He is not stingy or annoyed with us when we ask for wisdom. People are. You ever ask somebody for help? And they're like, 
Yeah, I guess so. Or you've asked over and over and over again for something, and, 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 and you're like, to this person, why don't they get this? I mean, God never is like, oh my gosh. <laughs> These people. Like, why? I mean, he's always at the ready to help. He is never, ever disappointed in you when you ask for help. He, he, it says in verse 5, he doesn't find fault in you. He is thrilled when you ask him for help. He, he very openly cares for us because we are simply acknowledging that we need and want his help. We need him. We need wisdom from him. And verse 5 also says this, he gives to all who ask. There is no pecking order in God's world. Like he doesn't say, well, you know what, that person over there, they're extra special to me, so I'm going to give them more wisdom than this person who, eh, they kind of love me, uh, and I'm going to give them just a little bit. Like that's not true of God. We'll see later that, that, that in chapter 2, like favoritism is forbidden. Like God says, no, there are no favorites. In God's kingdom, there shouldn't be no favorites in our lives. Like he doesn't look at us and say, you know what? You're, you're full of faults, so you only get a little bit. It is God's grace giving us what we don't deserve. None of us deserve God. None of us deserve the goodness of God. None of us deserve the love of God. But God looks at us and says, I want to give them all of my love, all of me, all the wisdom that they need. Do you remember when you first met him? When you started to follow Jesus? I remember my walk was down Mildam Road from my house to Burger King, my first job. Yeah, that's right. It's now, I don't even know what it is now. It was a Quirks. It's near the food line on Great Neck, whatever. It was. It's changed names like a thousand times. Fishers, yeah, that's Fishers. And I'd walk there. First of all, I'd wear my, my cool outfit, uh, not my Burger King uniform. I had my little bag and I'd get there and I'd change once I got there. I'm not gonna walk around my Burger King uniform in public. <laughs> And I get there, and the entire way, guess what? I didn't have a cell phone. Uh, Walkmans, anybody know what those are? They used to play little tapes. I didn't have the money to buy those. Those were like a thousand dollars, but they were expensive. And so all I had to do on the way to walking was just, I attempted talking to God. I was like, God, it, it, I gave my life to you just recently, and, and I just want to talk to you. And I, I think I might need help walking through this life. And I, I really believed he loved me. I really believed not only could he help me, he wanted to help me. And I really saw that he did help me. That God is still the same God. 
The same God that you first met has not changed and never will. So how should we ask? Verse 6, God is saying, ask for wisdom, meaning he can give it, but we must believe and not doubt. Now let me ask for a raise of hands. Raise your hand in here if you've ever doubted God. I'll raise mine twice. Right? Look around. Everybody. If you're not raising your hand, you're probably not paying attention. That's okay. I know the storm came and we're all distracted. Like, all of us have doubted God, haven't we? To doubt is to be human. Doubting God is not something that he goes, hmm, they doubted me, forget it. Now remember, in the doubt, we come to him and say, Lord, I do doubt. Like the man whose uh, servant was dying and he says, Lord, I, I, I believe, or sorry, his daughter was dying. He says, Lord, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. See, that's wisdom. That's saying, I don't have it in me, but I know you do. And I know you give it. And I want you to give it to me because I don't want to doubt. I want to believe. I want to follow you. I want to know that I need you. And I want to experience that I need you. This is not like psyching yourself up at halftime. Doubt here means questions are okay. Doubt here doesn't mean you shouldn't seek answers from God. Doubt doesn't even mean that you're going to lack faith at times. We will always lack faith at times. I mean, Peter, when he walked on water, pretty amazing, right? He's walking on water as he makes it to Jesus. What, is, what happened? He says he sees the waves and he, he experiences the wind and he began to doubt and he sunk. And I love that Jesus didn't let him go all the way to the bottom. Why? Because Peter said, Lord, help me. The Lord picks him up. And they walk back to the boat on water. They get back in the boat. And he does ask a question, why did you doubt? Not like, what is wrong with you? No, why did you doubt? Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Let's understand why we doubt. And when we bring our doubts to God, God says, oh, I will help you. Jesus said, anybody born of man, in other words, not including Jesus, why? Because Jesus wasn't born of man. Uh, there was no father involved other than God the Father. Okay, He said, anybody born of man, there's none better on this earth than John the Baptist. And in prison, John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus to ask a question. Are you the Messiah? Like, are you the one that's going to come and take away the sins of the world? That was John the Baptist, who Jesus says, 
No man has ever been greater than John the Baptist. And even he had what? Doubt. But what did he do with his doubt? He went to the source. He said, hey, you guys, I'm in jail. I'm going to be beheaded pretty soon. Can you just go ask the question, is he the one? Because if he's not the one, then my, mess, my, my life is not done. Because I'm supposed to, to prepare the way for the Messiah. So I'll know that I'm going to get out of here. But if he's the one, then I know this is it. Jesus says, oh, John, it's me. I mean, needing reassurance, that's just asking God for help. And it says he gives generously. That, in and of itself, is wise.